Welcome to Today on Broadway for Wednesday, March 11th, 2020. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. Ashley, are you uh, alive? Are you hunkered in? Do you have enough toilet paper? How is everything up in uh, in Brooklyn? Thankfully, I have a bodega right underneath me. So, I, I... But do they have toilet paper? That's the question. That's a very good question. I will have to go down and check post-editing and post-recording. Okay. I'm okay for now. I'm, I'm a little anxious about the state of theater and always anxious about taking public transportation. But, you know, I'm 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 hoping my immune system holds up <laughs> at least. Yeah, that's always tricky. Um, we will have plenty of time to talk about uh, coronavirus related things because that is our oh, first major, yes. major story. But before we get to that, I do want to remind you that you can head over to patreon.com slash Broadway Radio, broadwayradio.com slash Patreon if you want to join the ever expanding Patreon family at Broadway Radio. We love what we do. We love being able to do this for you. And if Very you true. Yes, and if you would like to help keep us uh, able to do it, uh, any, any contribution you were able to make would be greatly appreciated. But if you can't or you don't want to, that's totally cool, too. Um, but we would appreciate it if you would like to, that you do. All right, Ashley, like I said, tons and tons of coronavirus-related news. And actually, we've just got a ton of news in general. So we're going to go through mm-hmm. things pretty quickly. Um, a lot of coronavirus-related stuff that is already having a major impact on the business of Broadway and theater at large. As we first awoke to the news yesterday that Scott Rudin was slashing the prices on all of his shows for the entire month. We'll get back to that. And then there were tons of more announcements that came through throughout the day on Tuesday. But first, Rudin announced on Tuesday morning that all tickets for To Kill a Mockingbird, West Side Story, the Lehman Trilogy, which he is co-producing um, uh, the the transfer to Broadway. And then Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf and the Book of Mormon. They're cutting the prices for all the shows between March 12th and March 29th down to just $50. Those tickets will be available beginning on Thursday at noon, which is March 12th, which is why that's the first day that those are available. Now, actually, there were a lot of people that had a lot of thoughts about this, mm. some using it as a way to advocate for cheaper and cheaper tickets and easier access to Broadway shows in general, even when there's not a global pandemic present and others were defending the move as a way for producers to bring in some money as opposed to playing to empty houses. Now, I I think we are both very much on the record as saying, we think that access to theater of all kinds should be cheaper and easier. Correct. I don't, I don't see this. I mean, yes, this is Scott Rudin and it's an incredibly cynical thing. But I personally don't have a problem with this, Ashley. I mean, producers have a fiduciary, if not legal, responsibility to do everything they can to pay back their investors. So if they think that this is the best option, then they should do it. Like, I I mean, I understand that because it's Scott Rudin, everyone's going to poop on it, be, you know, without really digging too deep. Oh, and me first in line. But yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's fine. It, uh, discounts are discounts, and if you're if people are going to go out and buy them, and you're and Broadway's not shutting down, okay, whatever. Right. I get that there's a little bit of a a qualm, I guess, that the main recommendation is to you know besides washing your hands is to avoid large public spaces as much as possible. And here you have producers saying will come to this incredibly large public space 
for cheap tickets. I get a little bit of that, but you're right. I, uh, producers have to be paid back on shows and theaters have to be able to pay their rents, which I think a lot of people in the theater industry are worried about right now. What happens if, you know, Broadway or off-Broadway, if New York in general is given a city or a state order saying we we have to close some things down for a bit like how are people going to get paid so in the meanwhile exactly. while that hap- while that hasn't happened yet get people into the doors i guess and i mean to be honest with you of course i'm concerned about you know the theater owners paying their mortgages and, oh, and very much. investors being paid back but i'm more concerned about and not, I'm not really concerned about the actors, other, you know, in terms of their financial stuff, because their union is going to take care of them. Right, I'm worried right. about the people who are hourly, either in theaters yes. or in the areas around theaters uh, that don't have a union protecting them. Those are the people that I'm worried about because it's like you can. I'm worried about the people who could get sick and die, and then I'm worried the people Absolutely. who, if they close everything down, so people don't get sick and die, don't have money to eat or pay rent, or heaven forbid, they get sick and then have to have health care. So mm-hmm. it's it's exactly. all a big bundle of crappiness, mm-hmm. um, and I don't think there's any easy answers. So I, I understand the the reaction to be upset about anything that Scott Rudin does, but what what you gonna do? But like Scott Rudin, the Minier Chocolate Factory announced yesterday that all remaining tickets to their production of Indecent during the month of March will be just 20 pounds. So if you're over in London, go see our friend Al Silber uh, for a fairly cheap ticket. I don't know the pounds to dollars uh, uh, rate right now. Actually, is 20 pounds cheap? Uh, Yeah, I think that's around like $35 maybe. Yeah, not bad. Definitely worth seeing Al Silber's. In anything yeah, for, for 30-ish sure. bucks. But in other virus-related news, Ashley, our friend Alan Henry put together a great explainer over at Broadway World about how to exchange tickets with every single official Broadway ticket outlet if your travel plans are impacted by the coronavirus. Also, Actors' Equity announced updated guidelines for auditions and suspended their strike policy for missing auditions between now and April 15th. So if you're an Equity member and you are signed up for an audition and you miss it, you get a strike that will be suspended during this time period. And they encourage everybody if they are sick to stay home. And finally, Ashley Washington post critic, uh, Peter Marks, uh, asked a very interesting question on Twitter. He said, quote, should shows push back their openings, the Tony deadline extend into late May and Mm. the awards be given in July. What say you? Oh, (laughs) That's that's a tough one. It's a tough one because it, doing that also means it affects the next season and it affects the season after that. So, uh, that's tough. I mean, I can't currently say that's what we should be doing because I don't. I I can't predict what the next few weeks are going to look like in the city and what all is going to be shut down. I do think it's a good. I do think it's a good argument, though. I think that is something we should absolutely be talking about. I that that would be such a huge domino that would inf- affect That's, so exactly. many things. Yeah. If you're going to do that, um, it has to be carefully thought through. Like I am totally fine with all of these athletic events canceling things because those, in yeah. and of themselves, are mostly singular events. A Broadway season pushing things back impacts. Literally thousands of people and millions upon millions of dollars. So if you're going to do that, it really needs to be considered carefully. 
Exactly, and I mean, a lot of shows have planned, you know, when they, most shows plan when they're going to open based on when eligibility periods are. So what that will look like for certain shows could completely make or break certain shows. I, I will tell you, I think that there will be moves made by individual shows if the Broadway League in New York in New York City in the United States don't make moves for mm. them. I will not be surprised if you see shows shutting down for a month or two. Um, oh, yeah. They might they might be saying um that it's virus related specifically, or they might use that as an excuse to um, do some renovations, or it, they might just say, even if it's not the health side of it, they might just say, look, people aren't coming to town. It saves us money to shut down for a while. And um, we're going to reopen when this is cleared up and more mm-hmm. people are traveling again. So I, I think we will see that. And I think we will see that fairly soon. Um, it might be on a show by show basis, but I, I, I we will see. Who knows? All right, Ashley, let's move into another very hot button story right now. Earlier this week, the upcoming premiere of the musical Breakfast at Pluto, which is a co-production between the Galway International Arts Festival, the Birmingham Repertory Theater, and the Donmar Warehouse, all of those things over in the UK. Don't think it's Birmingham, Alabama. Um, They announced their casting. Okay, normally not a big deal. We don't generally cover Donmar Warehouse casting unless it's like a big thing. But the protagonist in this show is a character named Patrick slash pussy that the person announced to be playing that part was Frey Fee who originated the role in London and Broadway uh, of of Michael Carney in the ferryman here's the problem Patrick slash pussy is a transgender character and Fee is a cis man that prompted a very quick response from many people online. So yesterday, the show's producer, producers issued a statement that said, in part, quote, The Breakfast on Pluto creative team conducted a wide search for the lead. In addition to holding auditions in London, we reached out to the Irish transgender community through multiple channels and auditioned a number of performers who identified as transgender for the role of Patrick Slash slash pussy Braden. We acknowledge that we all need to do more to support the trans community and the development of trans artists, and we are looking to amplify and celebrate trans voices in other ways as part of the production. They went on to discuss the multiple trans artists involved in the, in the creation of the show, from consultants to the assistant director, and that they have commissioned an education program around the show. But that wasn't enough, as later in the day on Tuesday, uh, Kate O'Donnell, who is a trans actress who is set to play Patrick slash Pussy's mother, withdrew from the production. And according to the BBC, the producers said they tried to find a trans performer for the role, but O'Donnell said that they didn't try hard enough. Now, Ashley, here's my question. <laughs> that that alone made me nauseous that they didn't try yes. hard enough. Because, yes, that's very clearly it. Yeah. So here's my question. Even if we suppose that they are telling the truth and that they auditioned every single possible trans identifying performer in the world and not a single one of them was right for the wool, which is obviously, I think we both agree, not the case. Mm -hmm. But even if that were the case, how are you so blind to think that no one will be bothered by this and you can go ahead and, and make this move anyway? Clearly, you should have done better outreach and better auditioning. And if you're going to tell this story in today's day and age, it should be with a trans performer in the role. Correct. But even if you, even if you can't for some reason, why did you not anticipate this being a problem? Right. Yeah. It's laziness and it's yes. you know, sticking to your guns that this is what I want to do and I'm going to do it no matter what, even if 
we didn't find the right person to play it. And that that always ends up the argument with a lot of either casting directors or producers or directors of, well, we found the right person who was right for this role. Did you, though? Is is this the right person for the role, or is this the person that you had in mind for this role? And it happens all the time. I mean, it happens in film all the time, especially like Eddie Redmayne and The Danish Girl. It happens incredibly often in theater, unfortunately. Uh, I don't know when people are going to learn, and that's the problem. I don't know when it's going to what it's going to take for theater or any subset of the entertainment industry to see. It's not oh, actors should be able to play whoever they want. It's, as we've talked about in even drag-related shows or shows that play with gender a la Tootsie, it's you're being flippant about it. And there are so many trans actors not getting roles. I've attended uh, trans and gender non-conforming panels in the past, non-binary panels in the past, particularly at Broadway Con. And all the actors have said the same thing, that they've been told in casting rooms that they're either too trans or they're not trans enough for certain roles. And then they end up casting a cis person. What does that mean? It means nothing. It means not a thing. It is a lazy excuse because then they go and turn around and cast a a cis person anyway. So there's, there's obviously no excuse, but excuses are going to keep being made. Here's, here's my, here's my... Well, there's a lot of problems, but here's the one thing that really rubs <laughs> so me the the wrong way here is that it seems on face value that they have until this casting done a lot of the right things with, you know, doing outreach mm. to transgender communities involving trans artists in the creation of the show. But now when they start saying these things like we auditioned all these people and we just didn't find the right person, it feels like those are just token members of the creative team. Right, exactly. That that they're just there to support you when you make the decision to not cast a trans person in that role. And and I, you know, um, our favorite Asian American actress, Scarlett Johansson, (laughs) she got in a lot of trouble by saying, you know, I'm an actor, I should be able to play anything, I could play a tree if I wanted to. Um, And I think that there is... To a certain extent, I I agree with her that actors should not be limited in the types of roles they can play um, based off of preconceived notions about who they are. I I support Mm -hmm. that in a lot of ways. But when it comes to people who have every advantage in terms of casting already, taking a role from somebody who has zero advantages in casting... That's a problem. Whether that is a trans performer, a person of color, um, a a queer performer, whatever the case might be, it it just it, that negates all of that. Be able to play anything vibes for me because they don't have the same opportunities that a Scarlett Johansson or in this case a, a Frothy would have. It just it it just boggles my mind that we are still having this discussion, especially in mm-hmm. productions that otherwise look like they are on the right track to doing the right thing. Right. And I mean, mentioning Scarlett Johansson, I mean, that even happened. I think that comment even came from the fact that she was supposed to play a trans character. Correct. That she was correct. supposed to play uh, Tex Gill in Rub and Tug. And then, you know, Murray Hill jumped in saying that he, of course, should do it because he looks exactly <laughs> like Tex Gill. But that's what the comments came from. I, th- I think if it's if you're making a project where the character is so specifically 
this person, whether it's a trans person or a black person or any queer person, then maybe you should be looking at the best actors that fit that role. And the best actors that fit that role are the people who also identify that way. Who, who have the lived experience who to bring to the, the performance. Experience. Exactly. Otherwise, yeah. you're missing... You're not the best person. <laughs> you're not the best person. You're missing the most important element. Yeah. All right. We have talked too long about those first two stories and we have a ton left. So what I'm going to do is we have two shows that I want to do some reviews real quick, but I'm only going to do one review for each. The first one um, is the New York Theater Workshop production of of uh, Celine Song's new play called Endlings. It's directed by Sammy Canold. Um, in the show on the Korean island of Manje, three elderly sea women spend their dying days diving into the ocean to, to harvest seafood. Across the globe on the island of Manhattan, a Korean-Canadian playwright, twice an immigrant, spends her days wrestling with the expectation that she write authentic stories about her identity. This show is currently scheduled to run through March 29th. And Helen Shaw reviewing the show for Vulture said, quote, The most powerful sequences take place at the seaside in set designer Jason Sherwood's evocative and rocky Korean island. Director Sammy Canold has stage management pop in... Uh, pop in to spritz extra fog into the air when necessary, and the spirited silliness of this actually emphasizes the brutality of their surroundings. The way the cold sea is at their backs the moment the tech crew leaves. Uh, Han Sol, Go Men, and Suk Ja all go about their work-filled day, clamoring in and out of wetsuits, cursing liberally, and generally disabusing us of any cute old lady stereotypes we might have had. They're strong and vital and so poor. Suk Ja says that they're the dirt eaters. The trio, each one is a comic dynamo, is thrillingly good at letting us see the little fear that sits underneath their large courage. Every moment we spend with them is gold. Again, this show runs through March 29th. The other show that I want to talk about is the new musical, the West Coast premiere of the musical Fly, playing at the La Jolla Playhouse. This is also running through March 29th. It is based on the novel Peter and Wendy by J.M. Barry. has a book by Rajiv Joseph, music by Bill Sherman, lyrics by Kirsten Childs and Rajiv Joseph, uh, choreography by Andy Blankenbuehler and Stephanie Clemens, and directed by multi-Tony winning producer Jeffrey Seller. In the cast is Lincoln Klaus as Peter Pan, Storm, or, I'm sorry, Eric Anderson as Hook, Storm Lever as Wendy, and Isabel McCullough as Tank. James Hebert from the San Diego Tribune said, quote, A few elements could use two tuning up. The early establishing number fly feels a bit more Broadway generic than the rest of the score, and the script possibly could lose a groaner or two, such as the overextended gag about the word mayonnaise. I don't know. I think the word mayonnaise is hilarious, personally. Anyway, he <laughs> continues, but there's a real sense of the raw and bittersweet playing underneath the latent show laments of Hook, who by this time is halfway to becoming Edward Scissorhands. I have no idea what that means, but that's very interesting. Uh, and it turns out that fly is at its most moving when it contemplates, after a long journey, finding a place to land. I've said this uh, when we heard about this uh, this production, Ashley, and I've said it every time we mm. talked about it. With a team like this, if this is not planning to come to Broadway, I am shocked. 
Um, So I would not be surprised if this ends up finding a way to get into New York at some point. Tangentially, it was also announced yesterday that Izzy McCullough will join the previously announced Norm Lewis and Faith Prince in the Chicago Lyric Opera's production of 42nd Street from May 29th through June 21st. She will play Peggy Sawyer, and Ashley Day will reprise the role of Billy Lawler, which he played in the recent West End revival. Okay, moving on. I have two recommendations. I'm not going to talk about them. I'm just going to tell you they're there. We have video of Brian Stokes Mitchell and Kate Baldwin rehearsing for the upcoming Encore's production of Love Life, and we have um, an, an article talking about Hillary Clinton's keynote speech at Women's Day on Broadway. Both wonderful. Check them both out. All right, Ashley, let's finish up this show. Yesterday, the Geffen Playhouse announced most of their 2020-2021 season, which will be their 25th season. Congratulations, Geffen. And it will include a world premiere musical by Matt Schatz called A Wicked Soul in Cherry Hill, the West Coast premiere of Samuel Baum's The Engagement Party, directed by Darko Treznik, the West Coast premiere of The Inheritance, and a yet-to-be-announced production that will mark the directorial debut of Brian Cranston. There are other productions in that season, so check that out if that is of interest to you. Yesterday, we also learned that Lucy Jones and David Hunter will return to the West End production of Waitress on Monday, March 23rd, following the departure of Sarah Bareilles and Gavin Creel. And finally, in an almost perfect bit of kismet, Ashley... Mm. I hope everybody remembers on Monday when I ran through the stories from our very first day on Broadway in 2016. One of those stories was about the world premiere of the musical adaptation of Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion. Well, fast forward four years, and now we know that this heavily reworked version, now called Romy and Michelle, will have a workshop next week and will aim for an off-Broadway run this fall. The workshop will feature Courtney Wolfson, Stephanie Renee Wall, Jordan K. Burnett, and Hannah Showerman, and more. Um, apparently, they either didn't get the me- the memo from the Seattle production, or they got the memo so well that they completely threw out the old show <laughs> and wrote a new one. I guess so, yeah. But hey, how poetic. It's like it was meant to be with this week. It is, very much so. Um, also, uh, I just want to throw this out there. I just saw this on Twitter. Apparently, Yale... Uh, because of a rule at Yale, um, the upcoming production of A Raisin in the Sun at Yale Rep will be limited to having 100 people in the audience. Mm, yeah. So don't know what that is. I'm sure that there's some rule that says no large gatherings on campus and a large gathering is defined as anything over Probably, 100 people. Yeah. Um, so there you go. 100 people to see A Raisin in the Sun. All right, that is all that we have. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW Matt. Ashley, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at No, this is Ashley. All right, thanks for listening. Uh, I already did that already. Never mind. Go to Patreon. Oh listen to the God. show. <laughs> there's so much. I'm so confused. Thanks again. Anyway, yeah. Have a, yes, extra thanks. Um, have a wonderful <laughs> Wednesday, everybody, and we will be back to talk to you on Thursday. Thursday.